0: Hey guys, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast. That's that's just, just my, my opinion. opinion. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. Um, we we did y'all wrong last week. We didn't record an episode, but um, uh, we're pro- we promise we're going to make it up. We promise it's not going to happen again. And today we actually have a very interesting episode that we want to talk about. But before we do that. Um, of course, our mother network, who is sponsoring this episode, AOTB Cast on Instagram and Facebook, Aliens on the Border Network, and of course, Bordertown Pets. You can find them at Bordertown PS. Anything that you need in Laredo, referring to your dog, a pet boarding, doggy daycare, et cetera, et cetera, you can go ahead and shoot them a text and they'll help you with anything they need, that you may need. Now, today on the show, uh, we have Mr. David, the dog trainer. Some of you guys may be familiar with him because I always share his shit and some of you may not. So um, you can go ahead and introduce yourself, David.
1: (laughs) What's up? Uh, I am David, uh, the the dog trainer. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I have a uh, dog uh, training, boarding and daycare kennel. Uh, We kind of specialize in uh, behavioral modification rehabilitation stuff and then our daycare and boarding services are uh, exclusive to our clients so we try to provide a community where owners can come find the help that they need for the individual issues that they have uh, and then have a community that they can be a part of long term of like-minded owners um, to uh, fulfill themselves with so it's pretty cool
0: that's cool so you only accept dogs that have trained with you before like uh,
1: yeah. For boarding and daycare and grooming services, anything that's not training related. Yes. You have to have either, uh, done a program with us, be currently enrolled in a program with us, uh, signed up to start one, or we we've like grandfathered in like sibling dogs before. So if you've done training with us and you have another dog, like we'll let him come to boarding and stuff if you need it. Um, and if the dog has been through like a, another what we would consider reputable training program will allow them in as well so
2: is that because like you feel like it's easier for you to I guess control them or just to have them like all tamed out just because they've already trained with you
1: so I think it's two-part I think that's definitely a part of it right so we try to maintain a certain standard of Uh, manners, structure, rules, all that kind of stuff uh, when the dogs are with us, and we can't do that unless the dog has training, right? Um, So that's a part of it. Uh, Obviously, having untrained dogs in our facility is also very disruptive to the progress of the dogs that are currently working through issues, right? If we have a kettle full of dogs that are freaking out, barking, uh, being a nuisance, uh, that's going to bring the energy level up quite a bit higher than we want it to be and give the other dogs a hard time to kind of chill out and settle down. Uh, and then the other side of the equation is the owners, right? Like once people have signed up for a program of ours or have done a program with ours, they're pretty committed to the type of training that we do. They're pretty committed to mm-hmm. uh, the structure that we're implementing and stuff. And in a past business that I used to have where we used to allow any dogs to come, essentially, um, we would get pushback from people if we were trying to do things like make them wait at the doorway or not jump on their owner, where the owners would get actually upset about that because they were okay with their dog doing that, which I have no interest in being a part of that. So yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. That's something that, um, through border town pets happens a lot to me whenever sure. I tell people that their dog will be crated. Yeah. It's always like my dog is going to be in a kennel. a kennel, like, <laughs> going to be locked up.
1: I know. So I'm sad.
0: Like, right. And I was like, I mean, yeah. they're not there. All day, like they're going to be there through the day, but they're sure. not there all day, and it's always like, "But my dog cries a lot, my dog will not be okay if it's alone, and right. I was like, "Well, your dog can work through these issues with us, like don't worry about it, like your dog is going to be fine, it's gonna be fine, yeah, but um, I completely understand what you go to where it's like the standards, and it's just it's it's better for everyone, for the dogs you already trained, for the dogs that are going to be trained, and it's an easier environment to handle with I mean trainers and you know kennel techs and all this all this different stuff um
1: that was another big thing we actually used to run into like you were just saying was uh you know our staff would kind of be thrown off sometimes as far as okay cool we got half of the dogs trained half of them untrained half of them halfway through training and you know each time they took a dog out it's like okay cool what are we doing with this dog (laughs) right So Uh, this one is which one yeah 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 exactly so
0: it happens a lot whenever they're not um trained on a leash that it's like oh it's because my dog doesn't like the leash so we usually just carry him and i was like
1: yeah that doesn't fly
0: yeah (laughs) i was like okay i mean i i understand but no like i am gonna put your dog on a leash i need to leash your dog like there's no way that i'm just gonna trust your dog to be out and about everywhere right
1: yeah it's a safety concern at that point it is it is
0: think a lot and and I'm going to start this way. We wanted to start another way, but I'm going to start this way. Um I think a lot of people are afraid of crate training because they imagine themselves being in a kennel and being crated and they want to say, "No, my dog, you know, my dog doesn't have to be crated. Like that's a bad thing for my dog." Have you ever encountered like any of these people?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we've had people reach out to us before that are used to say boarding like some of the higher higher class clients like boarding their dogs at these pet hotels or resorts or whatever they call them where you can get, you know get an entire lodge for them that has a bed and a tv and all this kind of stuff right so they're used to that being the standard of my dog knows this right so how could they go into being a crate uh as opposed to realizing and this is a whole other conversation i'm sure we'll dive into but Uh, you know, how much that that actually screws with the dog, right? They need more consistent, more simple structure. And the more that you're kind of pampering them and catering to them and stuff like that, the more anxiety issues you're actually going to create, where 90% of the dogs that come in that the owners were hesitant of the crate, or they had never been in a crate before in their life, they fall into the groove right away with it, because it's simple, it's consistent, it's predictable. uh, And it's structured, which is what all dogs need
0: what dogs need i always say dogs are followers dogs are not meant to be the ones telling you what to do you're supposed to tell the dog what you want it to do and therefore from there you know it's gonna it's gonna you're you're gonna get rid of a lot of different you know issues that you're having with this dog just because they are able to roam free and they have no idea what to do yeah Yeah. so i have
2: a question like when would you say would be a good age to start crate training them
1: immediately, the second it comes into your house. Uh, because here's the thing, like if a lot of people, and especially with COVID right now, right? A lot of mm-hmm. people get, get puppies or new dogs or whatever it may be, and they bring them into their house and because they're working from home all the time, they're just like, oh, I'll just let the dog get used to the house and be loose and this and that. And the dog never learns how to do nothing, which is a very, very important skill that dogs need to learn, right? In addition to that, a crate creates forced separation, right? So it forces the dog to be away from the owner doing nothing and be okay with that, right? So uh, the second you get an eight-week-old puppy, the only thing you got to keep in mind is that if they're that young, they're, they're not going to be able to hold their bladder as long as an older dog, so you got to let them out a little more frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 90% of, of puppies, the first time you start that crate, they throw a little tantrum in it, they bark, they cry, they whine, and you got to get past that hurdle early on. And the longer you delay that, the more difficult it will be for the dog to get past that. So yeah, as soon as you get the dog in the house, I recommend people starting it.
2: Right now that you mentioned that they're like, whenever they cry. So whenever COVID started, I got a puppy and nice. she was, was, she, one was of those. Yeah, she was, yeah, I was literally book. one of those because sure. I have a daughter and I mean, she was bored at home. So I was like, you know what, let's get her a puppy because let's that's going to be point. perfect for her. Yeah. And we got it and it was literally a puppy. I got it for my aunt. So The very first days we did try to, you know, get her to sleep on her on her bed and she was just crying like all night. So what we did was we slept her with us. But then it was just getting reactions
0: to this. It was
2: getting like bad. Yeah, it was getting like it was getting bad. So um I asked Marlene. I was like, hey, like you think you can help me out? And she's like, Yeah, sure. So I took her to her. She had her for what, like two or three weeks two weeks uh-huh. and um whenever she gave her back to me she's like make sure that you sleep her like in her in her kennel. yeah, in her little kennel so i ever since then like i swear i would put her in there and whenever it would get like to be maybe like nine i would just open the little door and she would like go in there and she uh-huh. loved like she was okay with it but yep. i did the mistake in like sleeping her with me so would you say like never sleep them with you even if they're puppies
1: Well, so listen, here's the thing. It it has little to do with the fact that the dog slept with you guys, right? It has Mm -hmm. more to do with that you gave in to the dog's behavior, right? The dog learned that if I cry and whine and bark and whatever, she's going to let me out, right? Uh, Which is the first thing where you get a dog. I always tell everybody, when you get a puppy, you need to expect that first week is going to be miserable, it's like it if was. you have a child, right? I'm it sure when was. you had your, sure you your child, it was like that, right? <laughs> you didn't yeah. sleep a whole lot the first week she, of she would cry
0: all day whenever whenever she was in the kennel, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, right?
1: yeah.
2: I would just leave her there on her crib and just be <laughs> like, but that's it, right? to you.
1: And it's so interesting how we can humanize all of these things with dogs, right? Everything, their behaviors, their emotions, this, that, right? But we can't humanize some of the more simple things as far as setting boundaries, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I see this a lot with parents, as parents have, you know, raised whatever six kids, seven kids, you know, and and uh, have done a phenomenal job with it, and they understand what goes into it and how much consistency goes into it and being firm with their rules and stuff, but they can't generalize that to their dogs, right? Um, so yeah, it's really interesting, but yeah, it's, it's not about sleeping in the bed with you, right? Like I, my dogs all sleep in the bedroom with me and, uh, uh, you know, my one used to sleep in the bed with me and, and and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, the key is that initially I taught them that it's okay to not do that. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. significantly easier once you teach them what's acceptable and remove a lot of these privileges, we'll call them to then slowly add them back in and have the dog not necessarily take them for granted right
0: because they are just
1: that they're They're
0: privileges yeah yeah
1: Rights, exactly
0: that's that's super funny that you mentioned that because um one of our past episodes uh we were talking about how whenever people come to me and they're like it's because my dog doesn't want to do this or it's because you know she was here with you It, it would happen to me with crate training again so once we bore dogs I, cr- I crate train them like I have them in crates like even though people are always like it's because she hates the crate she hates the crate she cries all night she's never going to be quiet I promise you I've let her in there two hours and she's never quiet she can cry forever sure and I'm like okay like I'll take your word for it I'll take your word for it but I'm still crating your dog I'm still gonna do it yes and I crate them and they see my dogs crated and they whine. Yeah. They whine for, you know, some time. And then they understand that they're not going to get out of the crate. Yes. They're whining. Like they don't get out. They, you can whine all day, sweetheart. Like, honestly,
1: I don't even hear it anymore. Like I don't even get very good at tuning it out.
0: Yes, you do. And, and it's super funny because people come to my apartment and I have dogs here and they're like, Oh my god! Like, do you not hear that? And mm-hmm. I was like, what? And they're yeah. like, oh my god! Like, they're crying. And I was like, oh, like no, it's because I'm crate training the dog. And obviously, this dog is not like crying like hours and hours and hours, right? Like sure. they they get it really quickly. They get it, it really quickly. Yeah. It's it's just the fact that whenever they go back home. I tell them, you can put your dog in the crate. Like, your dog will be fine. And they still have that mentality of, it's because my dog is not okay. My dog is not okay. Like, they're not going to be okay in the crate. And the dog will try you. And I always say this. The dog is going to test you to see where they can get Mm -hmm. with you. They know that with me, they won't. And they're going to see how how far they can get with you. And I always compare training dogs to raising kids. I always say that. Like, I was like you have your kid and you know, your kid is going to start whining and your kid stops whining when you give them a chocolate bar and you want your dog to do the same thing. I was like, they learn, they, they learn where they can push you and where they can. not mm-hmm. And I always have people come to me and they're like, Oh my God, you can't compare, you know, raising a kid, to training a dog. Yeah. And I was like, I was like it, it's not the whole thing, the same thing, but it's very, a lot of similarities. Similar. It's yeah, yeah. very similar. Yes. And, and it's super funny because um, I hear love it. Like,
1: I do. Boundaries. Yeah, 100%. And, and you had mentioned uh, something uh, interesting before about when your dog came back from staying with her for two weeks uh, that, you know, uh, it loved the crate, right? And mm-hmm. I would say, listen, here's the thing. All of this stuff, a lot of that sense of loving the crate is just that we turned it into a neutral, right? Yeah. Which is our goal here. Because I think a lot of people will also get hung up on my dog has to really enjoy this thing right? Yes. Where again, a, a part of that mentality is the idea that if they're loving it, they need to be constantly engaged, which again, the purpose of the crate is not being constantly engaged. It's doing nothing. And the purpose of a dog doing nothing is a dog being neutral, right? So that's what I strive for with any of this kind of stuff and with behavioral modification in general, right? Uh, and then you had mentioned something interesting uh, about uh, the... Um, the dog's testing you, right? The, and that's an, another common thing I see people will kind of uh, miss is when they do say a board and train with somebody, or they do one-on-one classes or something like that, and they expect the needle with behavioral issues to go from here to here, right? Yes. Like a switch flicking. That's what which I was expecting. I was talking, yeah, 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 right. And it, <laughs> And it just doesn't work like that as well, right? Because here's the thing. The dog has all of these preconceived notions that when I try this or I try this or I try this with this person, it works, right? Whether it's the example of a kid with a candy bar, the example of the dog getting let out of the crate or uh, the dog jumping on somebody and getting pet for it or whatever it may be. And if a dog has a history of reinforcement of a behavior, right, whatever it may be, That reinforcement has to first get removed, right? And it gradually gets removed. And typically speaking, especially for very self-reinforcing behaviors, like something like getting let out of the crate, if a dog is used to something working, they're going to try it even harder once they first start realizing that it's no longer working right? And you got to be prepared for that pushback. And that's something I communicate with all of my board and train clients as well, is when the dog comes home, expect that all of those things your dog was used to trying, they're going to try but even harder. And you have to be prepared to address them or ignore them, whatever it may be, right?
0: Yeah, so, yeah and just for the training, like, that's the thing you have to make sure you're consistent. That's something that I cannot emphasize enough. Like, yes. you have to be consistent. And I always use the whenever they go with their grandmother example. I'm mm-hmm. um, like, whenever they go with their grandma, they know they can eat whatever they want to do. And mm-hmm. they know they can do whatever they want to do. And then they come back home. And, oh, yeah, now I have to behave. Yeah. I was like, the dog is literally going to try to do the same thing. Obviously, they don't see it as, oh, I'm with my grandma. I can do whatever I want to do. But yeah, see it in a way where, well, I've done it before with this person. And this person lets me do it. Okay, fine. Because I always have people that are like, well, it's because you just saw my dog and she's so well behaved with you. And I was like, well, it's because ever since the first time I met them, they know that even though they try to push me, it's not going to go that way. Like, yeah. I'm not going to give in because I need this type of behavior from them. Yeah. It was funny because not too long ago, I picked up a dog off of the street because it was it was on the street and it was a German Shepherd, right? So big dog heavy dog. He was a male and I was just driving. I was at a stop sign. The dog stared at me, walked to like the side of like my car and I just stared at it. And I was like, okay. And I obviously, because I'm a sucker, I opened my door and I was like, hi dog. And the dog just stared at me and then just like, you know, wanted to get into my car. So I was like, I'm pretty sure he has an owner like for him to so willingly wanting to get into my car they have to have an owner so i ended up opening like my back door and he got in and he was just laying down like in the back he was just like chilling like looking out the window and i was like okay, like he has a collar. I'm pretty sure he's microchipped, right? So whatever. Long story short, the dog was super social with me. I brought it home. He met my boyfriend and it was super social with my boyfriend. Like he was just a dog that was like neutral. It wasn't that dog that wanted to like jump on you. It wasn't that dog that was like growling or barking. Like he was just like, you know, just going about life and like I would, I had him on a leash and he was super okay with it. I'd like, you know, call him in a way I didn't know his name. So I'd just be like, Or like, you know, over here, like, hey, come over here, like, get in the car or whatever. And he would just go and do his own thing. Right. So I posted him on, you know, the different places of like my lost dog, whatever, whatever. The owner came up and they asked me, oh, does it have this collar? I was like, yes. Turned out being that dog. And what really like caught my attention was that she told me she was like, wait, it's because my dog isn't social. And I was like, "What do you mean?" And she's like, "She literally like barks at everyone. He well, he literally barks at everyone, growls at everyone, like tries to lunge at people. Like he does not like people. Like I don't think this is my dog. If he was so, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, if you want to come see him, like it, he has the collar. He had like different like purple spots on his on his tongue, yeah. which is what I was like. This is the dog. Like there's no other way that there's another dog that has the exact." Purple spots on their tongue. Yeah. And she ended up coming, and the dog got super excited, you know, saw the the winner and got into the car. Got literally got into the car and just like, he was just like, I'm ready to go. And this this chick was like, What did you do to him? Like, why is he so social? <laughs> what spell did like, you cast on him? <laughs> I was like, first of all, I had no idea your dog was a violent dog. First of all. And I was like, I just like he came up to me i just grabbed him on the leash i didn't really expect much from him like i didn't let him jump on me i didn't let him like do anything like that i just literally was like oh okay like you know if you want a treat he didn't want any treats and i think it comes to the part where people let them jump on them people you know whenever they're barking because she was like it's because whenever he's in the backyard and he hears people or he sees people through the gate he starts like Barking and barking and barking and growling and growling and growling. And I was like, and when they do that, what do you do? He's like, well, I try to calm him down. Like I grab him and I pet him and like I hug him. And I was like, you're literally encouraging this behavior. Like that's what you're doing. Like you're letting the dog know that it is completely fine for him to have this obsession of barking at the door whenever someone passes by. And I was like, I didn't do anything to the dog like i was just like come here if you want to come here if you don't want to come here then don't come here and he was just like okay yeah fine i'll do it and since i guess i was like so neutral with him i'm not completely sure if you know i mean i guess
2: it was also like your body language like you're a lot more like you know like what they say like dogs can fear or i mean animals i don't know if it's really true but i've always heard that like dogs can fear that like whenever you're scared yeah like they can sense your energy they're like oh my gosh like she's you know i don't yeah, know
1: i mean I, I think that i think I think there's that's an interesting conversation because I think there's some truth to dogs who will definitely read off of your energy and stuff. Uh, but I don't think it's as deep as everybody thinks it is, you know. Um, I think it's more Nobody's so
0: a react sign. Eh, that's yeah. why they're friendly with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I think it's more so that dogs will um, you will start doing different things when you're in different states of mind, right? So for example, when I see owners, right, when we're working the dog in our training facility, right, in a quiet, calm room and they're on it, right? They're they're addressing everything exactly how they should. Their timing is really good with everything. And then we go to take it to a more busy environment. and Everything falls apart because the owner is distracted, right? Or the owner is anxious because there's all these triggers around them. So Mm -hmm. they start communicating differently with the dog. The dog can pick up on the fact that something's different with my owner. Not that I sense their anxiety or anything, but they're communicating to me in a different way, right? And then the dog starts taking charge of the situation right? Uh, which is why I'll see all these uh, negative behaviors and stuff. And going back to your German Shepherd, that is a prime example of what I tell everybody where dog training is relationship training, right? So the relationship that you have with the dog, and this isn't the, oh, they need to like love you and you need to like share all this affection and kind of stuff like relationship stuff. I'm just talking the relationship and uh, of what you allow with the dog they pick up on those things, which is why they act different from person to person to person, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think a lot of times, you know, you hear shelters talk about uh, like decompression periods and stuff, right? When you go adopt the dog, everybody says, uh, you know, you should put the dog under essentially a two-week decompression period to let them, you know, get comfortable with the house and this and that. And then you'll see their true, they say their true personality come out, right? Yeah, exactly, right? And I think a lot of that, is the dog figuring out over that two week period of time what they can get away with, and the personality you're seeing is them feeling confident that they can essentially push you around, right? Because <laughs> nine out of ten times during that two week decompression time, people are not doing training with the dog, right? But yeah, you know, we get-
0: to give him love because you know yeah. he was in the shelter and of course he was neglected, and yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. and saying, stuff. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying it's 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 an necessity to establish boundaries from day one yeah like it's it's and that's that's another question that we had that well that tracy was going to ask um like as yeah like, like what would
2: be a good how soon would you say is um a good like when would you say is a good time to start training them
1: Uh, immediately, as soon as you get the dog in the house, because keep in mind, right? Everybody thinks training as far as like, I'm going to a trainer kind of thing, which Mm -hmm. listen, that if you have the ability to, yeah, start it right away. Right. But everything you do with your dog is training right? Training is every interaction that you share with your dog. You're either reinforcing something, you're discouraging something, you're teaching something, right? Whether it's something as simple as how you go through the front door and come back in, how you go for your walks, what, uh, what uh, things you allow or don't allow. Are you going to let the dog on the couch? Are you don't let the dog in the bed? Are you going to put the dog in a crate, right? every single thing that you do with your dog is training, right? So the more that you understand that and the more you understand how to communicate with the dog and what the Mm -hmm. things that you're doing with the dog are saying to them, um, the more effective things will be. And that's why we're able to get such rapid results with the dog in, say a board and train format, right? Is because the second the dog enters our facility, we show them what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. We shape everything over the course of the first couple of days. So at that point, all we have to do is teach, right? We teach Mm -hmm. commands and all this kind of stuff, but they've already understood the ropes of what they're going to get away with and what they're not going to get away with. Right. It's funny. Like, so, so all the dogs that come to our board and trains have all sorts of different issues, right? Dog aggression, anxiety, human aggression, resource guarding, this, that, right. And (laughs) it's funny. I will say that I hardly ever even read at least over the course of the first couple of days, the sheet that the owner sends us with of like all of the behavioral issues and stuff, because we don't see any of them, right? Because the second the dog comes into our facility, the second any of that would even show itself, we would stop it right away, right? Or we would not put the dog in a position where they would be likely to rehearse those things in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So we understand how to communicate with them effectively. So it doesn't matter if they're in for aggression or anxiety or this or that, they're going to fall into the structured system that we provide and we're going to be past all of it, right? Uh, the only reason why that's important is so that then I can figure out what the owner's doing that's contributing to the issue and how they're going to need to address that once the dog goes home. So. Yeah.
2: So then like, when would you say is a good time? Like, or when do you know when you should like reward them and when you should just like praise them?
1: Well, keep in mind praise is reinforcement right you're rewarding a dog when you're praising them right assuming the dog is motivated by the praise that you're giving obviously i mean Mm -hmm. i'm saying if a dog comes into my facility that's scared of me let's say right we're a lot of fearful dogs do you think me petting them and telling them good boy is actually reinforcing them probably not right um in some cases it could be aversive to them they could not like it right um, so, you know, it, you always have to ask yourself, dogs can only ever understand one of two things, right? When we like what they're doing and when we don't like what they're doing, right? 90% of the interactions that you're going to give your dog, talking to them, petting them, touching them, things like that is reinforcing stuff. It's telling them, I like what you're doing, right? Um, so you also have to have the opposite side of the spectrum. be able to tell them we don't like what they're doing, right? Uh, so you know when to praise them based on, do you like what the dog is physically doing in that moment, Right. Uh, Where the lines get blurred is where people start trying to use praise and petting and stuff like that to essentially like console the dog or distract them or get them to stop doing something like you were saying in the example, the German shepherd, where it barks at people that come in the house and they try to calm the dog down with petting. Mm -hmm. But like I said, dogs don't understand that they can only understand what we like what they're doing. We don't like what they're doing. And you know, you sitting there petting the dog and telling them it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. That person's nice. Sounds a heck of a lot like, Good job, good job, good job I like this I like this right yeah it's the same yeah. thing right and that's what people don't understand and they wind up creating all of these problems because they don't understand it.
0: They just think that I, and I always say this it's it's not the same of when you're trying to tell a person not to do something and when you're trying to sell a dog not to do something because mm-hmm. like, you could reason
1: with them yeah Yeah. Yeah.
0: it it doesn't work like that like it doesn't work like that um especially seen whenever a dog is like nervous or whenever a dog is like showing not necessarily aggression but like i don't want you close to me right to like Mm -hmm. a stranger or something and you try to console the dog and you're like no 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 come here come here it's okay it's okay look look it's okay. He can touch you. like it the dog is like, what I don't understand. Like, I mm-hmm. what do you mean? Look, like what does that even mean? Yeah. And you're just petting your dog. You're petting okay. your dog. You're you're t- sweet talking them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And other times that you sweet talk them is when they do something good. Mm-hmm. So what they relate it to is okay, well, I don't want this person touching me. And my owner is saying me it's great. So I'm just not gonna let this person touch me. And mm-hmm. from there on, you know, it goes to a point where well, I don't want to do this either. I'm just going to bark. I'm not going to do this either anymore. So I'm going to growl. I don't want to do this either. So and and it's it just goes on to kind of like a domino effect. I guess you could say like yeah. one, one bad thing that they know they can get away with turns into a couple bad things then into a lot of bad things. And at the end of the day, you don't really have any control over this dog because he never wants to do, you know, what you want to do. And it's just because he's pushed you so far away. And a question that I had, um, Regarding that was in a situation where you have a nervous dog or a dog that doesn't really have a like they don't really like praise and they're not really crazy about certain treats either. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you like how do you approach it? Like how do you, I guess, give the dog the confidence of let's do this, let's do that. Like, Mm -hmm. let's train, I guess you could say. Sure.
1: Well, I think the first thing that you need to realize is confidence comes from clarity, right? It doesn't necessarily come from treats and praise and all that kind of stuff. It, confidence comes from a dog being confident in what's expected of them, right? So we have plenty of dogs that come in that unfortunately are not motivated by praise, right? They don't have food drive and we may not have the time to establish the food drive, right? We need to get past things very quickly, mm-hmm. Um or the, the kind of uh, the, the genetically really fearful dogs that even if they have food drive in certain situations, they're too nervous to accept it in those moments, right? Uh, you know, it, typically we wind up needing to teach things with pressure, right? With e-collars, with leashes, things like that. Uh, we can get into the specifics of how that's done, obviously. But uh, you teach it that way. And it's interesting to see where as the dog understands what's expected of them, through teaching it that way, through teaching it with an aversive, something they don't like or trying to avoid or whatever it may be, their confidence increases, right? It goes up over time as they understand, oh, wow, that's all you want me to do. That's simple. And you're providing what all dogs need and rarely get, which is mental stimulation, right? Anytime you're teaching something, whether it's positive, whether it's negative, whatever it may be, you're engaging the brain and you're getting them to think, right? Which biologically fulfills the dog, which creates mm-hmm. more clarity and which creates a more confident dog. ultimately.
0: So do you believe that there's truth in that? Well, I don't, I'm not sure where I, where I heard it, but in the thing where it's like 15 to 20 minutes of like training and stimulating a dog's mind is going to tire them out more than actually like running for like 30 minutes or like an mm-hmm. hour.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you, have may you, have, you? you may have heard that from me because I say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. So yes, a hundred percent. It's interesting. We have a uh, we have like uh, runners and stuff that come in with their dogs for training, and uh, you know these people run their dogs for five, six, seven miles a day. It's insane, right? uh and the dog is still a psychopath all day long from it and it's funny (laughs) once we start teaching like a structured heel for example they can go take them out for a 20 minute walk and the dog is way more tired from it and they're way more tired long term for the remainder of the day from it Mm -hmm. right it's like if you go to the gym right you do a a a hard workout right or something like that you're fine the rest of the day you know like once you physically like the exhaustion goes away right you're good right you could go and do whatever you need to do right Um, um Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, but then you go to work, right? And you engage and you think you may just sit at a desk all day. Oh, you right?
2: so tired.
1: You're whooped by the end of the day.
0: Mm-hmm. That was the
1: same stuff. So.
0: Yeah. yeah. That was the example I was gonna say. I was gonna say that um, I always use the example of you go to school for, you know, half the day you go for like five hours and you're thinking and you're doing stuff with your brain mm-hmm. and then you go to the gym for like an hour and after the gym you know you still want to go do this or you still want to yeah. do that and just like that part of the yeah. day where you were using your mind that it wasn't as long like it's still like oh my god like i'm so tired like i feel yeah. so, so drained mm-hmm. and in a dog like you said like it has to do with like mental stimulation and I guess what we're going to go into a little bit more is how you would recommend for this to be introduced to like a puppy, like Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of our followers and I know this for a reason because they have reached out to me. um, Mm -hmm. They asked me about puppy training. They asked me about what is something that I should, you know, start with my dog to make sure that I don't create a little monster and I create, you know, a more neutral, responsible well not responsible but like neutral dog that will be like Marlene's dog okay so no. <laughs> <laughs> um my, my dogs are well behaved but then at they're the they're very I- well behaved like maybe not with her but
2: she can have she can have literally like 10 people at her house and her dogs will just be chilling like each on their own corner. No one's barking no one ever barked whenever you went inside the house like no one was ever crying. Um I love spoiling her dogs, but only when it comes my to God. like, I walk in and is it the e collar what you have on them? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I feel like
0: the mini educator, yeah.
2: So I feel like um they're so tight on the dogs, <laughs> so I'll be like, you know, they go and they're just they're around me, so I'm like, what's up? Like, do you want me to take it oh, off? Are you thirsty? Talk to her.
0: That, that's that's they like, do she, my dogs talk to her. Whenever she comes over, she's always like. What's bothering you? What you need water? You want water. <laughs> you, you want water. And, and Marlene's just, just like staring at her like, like, can you, you stop?
2: <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> like, yeah, like you're gonna take them out right now, like to go pee because they're for sure gonna fucking pee. Yeah, and,
0: yeah. tons of water, and then they're over here like fucking puking the water back because they overdrank water. Like it's not it's not necessary.
2: Like they yeah, So I literally not. now I don't give them water. I'll just mm-hmm. go and if take I feel off. like they'll be like, we're just gonna be chilling, we're not gonna go outside, I will take off the collar. <laughs> and she hates oh, it. Oh, no.
1: Yeah. It's
0: just, okay, so you see what I have to deal with now. But my dogs, usually, whenever I have the e collars on, it's because we're gonna go outside. Like, we're gonna do something where there's gonna be distractions, and I know there's gonna be corrections and stuff like that. During yep. the day, they sometimes use your e collars, but. It, I, I don't really use them as much because you know they know how to behave at home and that's that's something that you know tracy you know brought like my dogs have always been in a situation where there's going to be a lot of people and i hate i hate them always coming up to people just because some people just you know don't want to be all full of dog hair and yeah, my dogs, sure. what so they're used to that they will try to push it they will try to like you know kind of go and be like yeah and it's like no like you need to behave no i'll just tell them kennel and they'll just be like okay fine and like they'll go to their <laughs> kennel or i would say you know bed and they'll go well i actually use commands in spanish because <laughs> i always say my dogs are bilingual because they know like different commands Yeah. Um, but it's not because, you know, they know that they know the language. It's just,
1: you know, yeah. I think I remember you saying that from the uh, from the workshop. Yeah, about so that. yeah, it
0: was I would be like, oh, it's because you can say it in Spanish or you can see it in English. Like she relates both of them to sitting down. So yeah. I'll be like, and that then she'll sit down and I'll be like, sit down. <laughs> she'll sit down. Like it's the same, it's the same shiver, yeah. it's the same
1: command. Um, but people get uh, people get real impressed by that stuff. It's funny where you just it's just it's just conditioning in a word. Right. Like well, we used to do uh, competitive dog training and stuff. Um, we would typically teach the dog all of their commands in a different language, right? Typically like French or German are very common for it. And it's funny, like uh, I had my one dog trained in German and English, right? And I would do same deal, like alternate between the two of them just because I thought it was funny. And people were like, oh my God, how does he know German, right? <laughs> it's, it's almost the same as I've, I used to have some people come in with like German shepherds and they'd be like, oh, I, I have to train him in German. And I was like, why? They're like, I was, I was like, do you have like interest in doing that stuff? They're like, no, he's a, he's a German shepherd, right? He, he's only gonna- <laughs> he's only gonna
0: know german so like, David, he has yeah. to be taught in german yeah. there, there really is people that think it like that like there yeah. is it, it's it's super hilarious because i once met a french poodle that was like oh it's because i never trained him because i don't know french <laughs> yeah like,
1: yeah <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> what does that have to do with <laughs> Another but, um, another funny one we'll see all the time is, uh, well, have people that come in with puppies and they're like, oh my gosh, this dog is so hard. It's like he, d- and this will be like, again, an 8 week old puppy or something. They'll be like, it's like he doesn't know what Sid is. I was like, that's because he doesn't. <laughs> it hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't <laughs> been taught. Ta- it does just come out understanding certain languages. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we do. They really think that it's because it's like. It's because I always tell him sit, and sometimes he'll want to do it, sometimes he doesn't. Like, he has to be in the mood for it. Yeah. I'm like, "Mm, first of all, no, it doesn't mean that the dog has to be in the mood to, you know, be trained. Like, he's deciding when to do it and whatnot. It's just you say it so many times that he's like, okay, you know, I'll just sit, you know, by the 20th time they say Mm -hmm. sit. Yeah. Used to saying, right? Yeah. So that's super funny. So, before we go into something else, you mentioned something about genetically being anxious. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, dogs can be genetically wired all sorts of different ways, right? Like not every dog, just like not every person is just genetically sound and confident Mm -hmm. and carefree, et cetera, et cetera, right? Uh, There are different genetic dispositions that dogs can have that will make them more likely to display certain behaviors, right? You could have a dog that genetically is a little fearful, genetically a little anxious, genetically overly confident to the point where they have a very, very hard time uh, taking direction from people and can display aggression issues, right? Uh, You have all sorts of of, uh, different genetic traits like that that you have to be aware of, right? It's interesting a lot of people like to equate stuff to a past, right? Like some mm-hmm. sort of past trauma caused ABC or D, right? If the dog barks at people with hats on, it's because somebody with a hat beat them okay. or yeah, or something like that. Right. Where I always tell people, like we've, we see dogs that loving, caring, perfect owners have had since eight weeks old that are absolute disasters, anxiety, aggression, uh, fear, right? All that kind of stuff. And then we've seen uh, dogs that we know have been from like really traumatic pasts, right? Uh, Whether it's hoarding situations or fighting or whatever, right? That are some of the most stable, well-balanced dogs that you'll ever see in your life, right? And then we'll also see the puppies, like I'll, I'll see firsthand the puppies that at eight weeks old, when they get the dog from the breeder is just like, they just act a little different, right? They're not that like happy go lucky puppy that's running around playing and stuff. They're extremely timid and maybe hiding behind chairs or growling or displaying early signs of aggression at a very, very young age that Mm -hmm. is not triggered by anything, right? So you have to factor genetics into things when you're looking at behavioral issues. And I think a lot of people do not do that. Do
0: you think that has to do with um, incorrect breeding?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah.
0: So that's yeah. well. So, but how, how is that something that you can notice, like as a breeder? Because I know there's different tests that people sure. do. Yeah, um, yeah. Is it like as a breeder, you have to see how you know the parents are behaving? Therefore, yeah. like those are the parents that you're gonna breed into, like these puppies, and hopefully these puppies don't come out with that genetic. Or yeah. is it like literally like a piece of DNA that's like anxious dog
1: well i i don't know as far as the actual specific dna makeup and stuff obviously um but i i think that reputable breeders uh do a very good job of making sure it happens very infrequently right Mm -hmm. so uh for example the second they start noticing consistency in like a male or a female putting out dogs that are fearful or aggressive or whatever it may be or they're consistently winding up that way they will stop breeding that dog right okay Uh, but at the same time, uh, like we used to work very closely with a, a couple of different Malinois breeders. And there is a Malinois breeder out in uh, the California area that is a very, very one of the most reputable Malinois breeders in the country. Right. And I've met dogs out of his litter before that were very unstable dogs. Right. Uh, and, you know, that happens. Right. Just like, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah genetically good people can have kids with autism or, or whatever. Yeah. Right? Like the, that stuff happens. Right. Uh, and there's precautions you could take as far as the dogs are breeding. Right. Uh, but it will happen sometimes still. I think a lot of it comes from, uh, a lot of the backyard breeding and things like that. And the non reputable breeders that are essentially just breeding based on looks. Cause I see that happen a lot, right? It's like, okay, cool. That German shepherd over there looks really, really, really good, right? It's a good looking dog. It may be an absolute disaster behavioral wise, but I want dogs to look like that. So they're going to breed that dog with another dog. And what happens is you just bring out more of those negative traits, right? Mm-hmm. Then in addition to that, you get into, you know, we have a lot of uh, a lot of Amish breeders around us, right? Right and puppy mills and things like that. And a lot of that you start getting into the ethics of they're doing really tight line breeding. So they're breeding uh, dogs that are very, very closely related to each other. uh, And in some cases inbreeding, right? Uh, And that also creates, obviously, uh, genetic issues.
0: Yeah,
1: it could be anything. It doesn't have to be physical deformities, right? It could be Mm -hmm. those emotional qualities and stuff of the dog as well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny that you mentioned it, or not necessarily funny, but it was a conversation that I had had with um, a breeder here in, in Laredo in Texas. And um, we were having this conversation, I think, in public, and someone was like, that's not a thing. Like you, can't, Like, you can't pass on like traumas. And I was like, you can, though, like you can. And that's why, you know, most repeatable breeders will stay in contact with the families that have yep. the, the puppies because they want to see, you know, how this dog turned out. Like, did yep. this dog have any type of issues or was it a little bit too big to be considered a mini golden doodle or, sure. you know, like all these different types of things that, like you said, happen. Like, you know, mm-hmm. shit happens at the end of the day. But you try your best to not have these things going on. Yeah. And um, it happened to one of my friends, actually. She got a long-haired German Shepherd. It was a completely black dog. And it was a beautiful dog. It was completely beautiful. But he was, like, 12 months old. And he was aggressive, like, mm-hmm crazy aggressive yeah and she had also uh i think it was a a malinois and he was a beautiful dog and she trained him you know just like you know your basic training but he was a very well-behaved dog he's a very you know stable dog and this other dog like you just could not get that like aggressiveness like out of him Mm -hmm. like just he didn't care like he would just see random people and lunge at them or he would just randomly just like attack his owner and it was like what the hell like i was raising you dude like what the fuck is wrong with you yeah and um it came back to that like he was like i talked to to the breeder and i was like like my dog is super aggressive like out of nowhere like it's just aggressive and it turns out that you know, it was a it was an inbreeding situation that went on, right? It kind of so, reminds
2: me of sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it kind of reminds me of the documentary from SeaWorld, how yeah. like that's oh, why yeah, they yeah. yeah, like that's why they wanted like cancel SeaWorld because of that one that one male who they used to like, you know, get yeah. all these other babies and he was a killer whale. Like he was literally a killer whale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he was yeah, a killer, killer sure. whale. Yeah, yeah. and, no. and
2: It was like, I think it was like DNA. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know much. I've seen the documentary. I don't know much about the the biology of the whales, obviously. But the Mm -hmm. the only other thing I would say is now genetics. A lot of people, I say that, and then a lot of people will use that as an excuse, right? So, like, okay, Mm -hmm. cool. So, this, this, there must be something genetically wrong with my dog. That's why he's doing (laughs) all these different things, right? Even though the dog is, so genetics, all it says is the dog is more susceptible to do a certain thing. They're more Mm -hmm. likely to exhibit a certain behavior. That does not mean that behavior cannot be stopped. So, because here's the thing, right? There are certain breeds that they want genetically more a certain way than others, right? One of the, the breeds that I use all the time is Rottweilers, right? They're a working breed. They're a power breed. And they they genetically try to make these dogs very confident, stable, will work through anything kind of dogs, right? Same with German Shepherds, same with Malinois and stuff. And that's why we see higher levels of aggression in those types of dogs is because they want them to be that way. If you have a dog that's working for extended periods of time or going to be doing police apprehension work or in the military or whatever it may be, you need a dog that's not going to get scared off by all sorts of things, right? But that also makes them more tough to own, Right. But mm-hmm. with the right handler and with the right relationship with the handler, you can manage those things very effectively still, right? Uh, but I think a lot of people, they'll get a dog that's genetically a little anxious or genetically a little bit more dominant or whatever it may be, and they won't know how to counterbalance that, right? And then it spirals out of control really, really quickly, mm-hmm. Right. So the problem is not the genetic predisposition to be anxious or to be fearful or to be dominant. The problem is what the dog does when it gets in that state of mind, right? Um, My wife's dog, Deli, was extremely nervous, timid dog, right? Uh, Genetically, very much that way, right? She had her since she was very, very young as well. Um, And she used to display... I don't want to call it aggression because it wasn't really aggression but like mm-hmm. she would just get really skittish and like snap and do all these weird things when people would kind of touch her and at the vet and stuff like that and certain
0: the... episodes what's that she would have certain episodes yeah yeah
1: for sure right nothing dangerous or anything but definitely a little outburst right um, and I would say the pro- the problem was not that she was scared, right? Like dogs are going to get scared. Sometimes dogs are going to feel confident. Sometimes they're going to get anxious over things. The problem is the behaviors that they do when they get like that. Right. And that's our job to address those things as they come up. And the only thing that changes is if they have a, a genetic disposition to be fearful. I'm going to have to be more motivating to stop that thing or to reinforce that thing that I want because the dog is already that way. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. When Whenever they're like scared, like for example, like at the vet, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: how would you start to readdress it? Like, would you just like whenever it's calm, like you would just encourage it or.
1: Um, The vet is a really tricky one because you don't go there very often. So you don't have very Mm -hmm. many opportunities to work on it. Right. So when we work with dogs that have issues at the vet, typically what we'll do is we'll do a lot of mock vet visits and we'll simulate handling related drills, right? And the problem nine out of 10 times is uh, the restraint involved in the process, right? When they're getting examined or poked or whatever it may be, getting blood drawn, given vaccines given and stuff, they're typically needing to be restrained. And mm-hmm. dogs have typically learned that when they get restrained, they've let out this big fit, right? Whatever it may be. And then we stop restraining them, right? So honestly, very few rewards go into play in that. It just teaches – you essentially just remove the reinforcement, right? So uh, just like with the crate example, when they throw the fit, it can't work. So we'll do drills like uh, like nails, right? I'll grab a dog's paw, and I'll go to do their nails. And nine out of ten times, the dog will try to freak out and pull the paw away or something like that. And I just keep holding it, right? Sorry, dude, it's not working, right? And then over time of doing things like that with the nails, with checking the ears, with, uh, you know, physically examining them, stuff like that, and working through that nonsense and showing them that it doesn't work, a lot of them just kind of settle into it. And then you have the select few that will, uh, you know, actually get aggressive over it and try to bite and do this and that. Or sometimes you have to add some corrections in for it. Mm-hmm. Um in order to then you know inhibit the rest of what you can't stop by just not letting it work you know
0: just making sure that it's not going to work like at the end of the day like that's that's letting them know that you know it's just not going to happen dude yeah Yeah. i mean you got
2: to get checked it's like a kid like you have to get checked to to
0: go to the dentist you have to Mm
2: -hmm. yeah they always want to throw like these like Big ass fits like whenever you take them to the dentist, like it's so scary to them, but yeah, like after a while, it's like whatever, you're just
0: they have to check you,
1: and where that's just it, it, come it?
0: From, though. Like being the dentist, like for kids, like where does oh. it
1: like it's uncomfortable? Just- Nobody likes getting that like fluoride and stuff in your mouth, yeah. I think, and then like, like for an hour yeah. after, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: it's just it's, it's horrible, like, gags you. yeah,
1: there's, yes,
2: there's, like, like scary ass x rays, they like they're like bite into this, and it's like it's so uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah. I've always hated them.
0: I don't know. I don't think I was ever a kid that like hated going to the dentist. Obviously it was not like, oh my God, yes, I'm going to the dentist today. But I've seen kids that are like,
2: no, the dentist. no. They have to like strap them down now. Like now they have straps. Like literally now they have straps where they strap you down. That's even worse. I feel like that's even like worse. That's like a lot more traumatic.
1: Yeah. Now, I don't have children, obviously, so I can't speak on this myself, but I would say a lot <laughs> of that probably is a cultural shift of people not being hard enough on their kids about things and teaching them, you kind of have to tolerate this stuff. You
0: know? Yeah. Uh, but in my
1: mind, I knew if I were to throw a fit at the vet or not the vet, <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the dentist office, and I gave the dentist a very hard time, I would be given a very hard time when I got home. So, yeah, yeah. literally.
0: So something I want to address before we go, cause we have not that long of time now. Um, a really, 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 really huge pet peeve that I have. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that I consider rude and I'm bringing it up because I just saw that you posted a video about it mm-hmm. is whenever people want to touch your dog <laughs> yeah. before asking.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: And, and Tracy's is going to like laugh at this because I get so worked up about it. Like, I think it's so rude whenever an adult, a full-grown person, run toward run towards me, literally yeah. with their hands out, going, yeah. "Oh my god! Oh my!"
1: God. It's just it's just so obnoxious. Like, do you not have any self-control? You know what I mean? Like, I I just don't understand. I don't understand it. I,
0: I always I use the example of how would you feel if I would run towards your face like that you without, not like without, it. Without, mm-hmm. not, without knowing you yeah. I have no idea who you are I see you in a fucking corner and I just run towards you and I go oh my god like screaming mm-hmm. and going like this in your face yeah. and like, I'll do it like, I'll literally like get up in their face and they're like
1: whoa that's a good move that's a power move right there
0: I was like thank you thank you like how would you feel like how would you feel and i always bring it up because two out of my three dogs because now i have an extra dog because of my boyfriend Mm -hmm. they love people like they love being touched and they will not listen to me because they just want to be like cuddled by these people right like they have like no and brandy the other one the one that you met in florida yep. she's not too crazy about like you know being touched sure like she won't really do anything about it but she's she's the one that is like no like yeah she doesn't even like kids like, <laughs> no like sue like, like, very
2: to herself she's very to herself she's like an old grandma like very <laughs> to herself she
0: mm-hmm. is actually oh she's eight but <laughs> I just don't appreciate when people do that and and I always 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 whenever a kid is involved I always say this I'm always like you would not like someone to just come in your face right like just like literally start touching your face and just start like you know trying to grab your arm and all of this and they would be like no and I was like okay like every single time kid that you see a dog, you always have to ask the owner, can I touch your dog? Yep. And if the owner says no, you have to say, like, you have to not touch that dog. They're like, oh my god, but my parents always let me touch the dog. And I was like, well, your parent is wrong.
1: Yeah, they your are, parent you're is correct. wrong. Yeah.
0: Like, you're, you can't do that. I was like, do you want to lose an arm? And they always get super scared whenever I say that, right? They're like, yeah. oh, losing my arm? Yeah. And Literally. I'm always Literally. like, it's it's out of it's out of respect it's it kid just you have to be educated you can't do that and whenever I was younger my mom would always tell me that like my mom would always be like you can't go up to a dog like that like they're gonna bite you and I'm not gonna do anything about it yeah that's what I tell
2: Azalea Azalea is not allowed to um to touch any dogs like especially if she doesn't like especially if it's a random dog I'm like no dude like I'm not gonna go through like that little like you never know if they're going to bite you and I'm not going to save you like if the dog comes at you I'm just going to run so just don't touch
1: yeah you also can't trust what the owner says 9 out of mm-hmm. 10 times because the owner doesn't understand their dog even you know yeah. i mean at least 99% of them don't like i uh, i posted a little follow up thing today i don't know if you saw but uh somebody i i know sent me a message uh about that video i made saying like oh yeah it's weird as an adult but my kid loves seeing other dogs and I always make them ask first and this and that. And I was like, okay, cool. That's great. But what happens when uh, one of two things happens, right? One is uh, the owner just got the dog, doesn't know Mm -hmm. the dog well enough. Right. And the dog is actually a little bit more territorial than they think. And then a bite happens or two, when that person is too scared to say no or too shy to say no. You know what I mean? Because I know for my clients, when I first start telling them, hey, you got to stop letting people let their dogs come up to your dog. You got to stop letting people come up to their dog. And they understand it. They're like, yeah, I get it. I'm going to do that. Right. But then the first time they're they're encountered with that situation with that really pushy person coming in, they kind of shut down. They're like, "Ah, I don't know what to do. Right. And they kind of just let it happen as opposed to saying, hey, no, you can't do that. Right. Um, And because that person is too shy to do it, your kid gets too intrusive and then a bite happens.
0: Yeah. And then they want and then they want you to put the dog down. Because it's my kid and it's a risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, why were you up in my face? First of all, first of yeah. all, why it's were you not
1: It's not worth it. You know, that's the way that I look at it, right? There are, there are 9,000 opportunities for you to pet a dog in a safe manner, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to do it when you're out and about uh, everywhere you go.
0: So. when the dog is already stressed because there's so much going on and there's mm-hmm. all these and you and you never know like the dog can be in training the dog yep. well can be trying to power through all these different things and then your kid just runs towards them and it's like, yeah oh, yep oh. freaks them out yep. yeah i freak out like if a kid <laughs> be like that like i'd freak out i'd be like yeah. oh, <laughs> what's going on here and Now that you mentioned that a whole, like, you never know what's going to happen thing. Uh I have been taking care, like, they come for, like, doggy daycare every day of a five-month-old golden doodle. Uh And he was not really socialized in, like, his early months. So he was kind of, like, scared of, like, people and of dogs, right? Uh So we're getting over that. And the parents just, like, are barely going to start taking him out like walks like you know not with you know other dogs or anything just like seeing dogs you know far away and seeing people and just being in a place with distractions right Mm -hmm. and I mentioned that like I was like if someone comes up to you and is like oh can my dog meet your dog like he's super social he loves other dogs I promise I was like say no Mm -hmm. I was like say no just say no
1: Yep, I, and don't give don't, a big explanation either. It's just yeah, no, no. Like just sorry. No. Yeah. sorry,
0: I never care if they look at me like, oh my god, like she's like she's such an asshole, or like she's such a bitch. I was like, Whatever. I don't care. Like I honestly do not care. Like it's your own dog. I was yeah, like, seriously. I don't want you to ask my <laughs> dog. And I yeah. told him because he was like really afraid of dogs at first, right? So now he's understanding that you know there's dogs that you can play with and there's dogs that you know you have to be a little bit more slow with and there's other dogs that just don't want to play and you have to respect that right Mm -hmm. so he's meeting all the different types of playing with other dogs and i told them what you just mentioned right like your dog is literally an experience away that from being like a dog that just does not want to socialize in general like you have such a happy puppy right now you want to keep that drive up of you know doing this and doing that and sitting down and being in public and being on a leash and et cetera, et cetera. I was like, you don't want your dog to have to go through a traumatic experience just because you couldn't say no to this Mm -hmm. person that was walking this big dog that they could not control. I was like, if you see someone walking towards you that has a dog that they cannot control that you can clearly see that they're pulling on the leash and they're like, Oh oh my God, it's because he saw the other dog. He just wants to go say hi. I was like, run away, like go the other way, yeah. get into your car, whatever you want to do, just do not approach that friendly quotation marks. 100%.
1: Oh. And that goes back to the very first thing that we were talking about here, which is creating neutrality right it's it doesn't always you know y- your dog may love other dogs and they may be fine meeting all these other dogs out on the walk and et cetera, et cetera. but one it's not worth the risk of a negative thing possibly happening and two if your dog really is that social it's not worth creating all of this excitement every time they see something else right yes. our goal is make everything neutral right if you have a dog that's neutral around everything that's like the best kind of dog that you can have you don't want a dog that's all amped up and excited and, and all this kind of stuff right uh and the more they get used to being around that kind of stuff and being neutral and being calm around it the more well-balanced they're going to be in the long run so
0: i completely agree i completely agree and i think this was a very informative episode where we were you very know, on Irresponsible dog owners. Like Tracy. (laughs) Like Tracy that, you know, had that dog that would sleep with her and not be crate trained. But it's fine, guys. It's fine. You can crate train your dogs. Nothing is going to happen to them. I promise they're going to be fine. I always say, like, whenever I have my dogs at home, I prefer them to be in a crate in case, you know, we never know what's going to happen. Like, if someone Mm -hmm. wants to get into my house and steal whatever shit I have they're not going to doubt hurting the dog if the dog tries to go at them. Even that's if your, the dog friendly, tries to like hug them or whatever, like they're yeah. going to hurt your dog. Like I just prefer to have my dog in a crate, you know, take whatever you f- want to take from my house just and my dog. Dogs. There. Yeah. Like just, you know, leave them alone.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, I, I still crate my dogs as well. Like every, every time I leave the house and I would say, the other thing is any number of things in your house could kill your dog. If they get into it, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. that they want to do okay. so right yeah uh, i say i have enough stress in my life i don't need to worry about what my dogs are doing when i'm not home
0: exactly yes. yes exactly exactly and that's something i always encourage and for everyone listening you know that just got a dog and feels bad about their dog being crate trained don't Okay. Right? have your dog get your dog a motherfucking crate that they fit in obviously you don't get them like a super small crate that they can barely stand in mm-hmm. but crate train your dogs believe me you are going to be so grateful about this and i actually had someone that boarded their dog with me for like a week and the dog hated being the crate and i didn't care the dog was still in the crate and whenever he got him back he was like oh my god marlene like she loves her crate now just (laughs) like me and now whenever she boards him like whenever he boards her he's always like just make sure you know you put her in her crate at night because that's where she likes to be now. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: you're welcome, dude. You're welcome. Like you're welcome for crate training your dog. So the last part of our episode here is we have a new segment. So you're gonna be the first one on this segment.
1: I'm excited. <laughs>
0: yes. Um, so we got these new cards from one of our friends that are called pod decks, right? Pod decks. Pod. Mm-hmm. So it's just pretty much, you're supposed to make like an episode of whatever, you know, comes out in the cards. But what we're going to do is, you, I mean, you're just going to answer the question or whatever comes out.
1: All right. I'm so ready.
0: we're going to do like a random thing here. And okay, I don't think we can do that. It says interview your mom and dad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do that <right> now. <laughs>
0: That's not good. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll do. Okay, share your favorite online influencer. This is going to be interesting because I don't think David really likes influencers. But um, says share your favorite online influencer. So I got someone online that you've been following that inspires you or influences you in some type of way.
1: That's a good one. Uh, wait, are you guys going to answer these as well? or, or am No, I'm just you.
0: About? Just oh. you. Oh,
1: great.
0: <laughs> we can answer it. We can answer it too.
1: No, no, no. It's okay. Um, I, I listen. I, I it depends on what I'm looking for influence with, right? So, like from a business standpoint, like I would say, virtually 100 percent of the reason why I started putting out as much social media content as I do, and why I've invested so much uh, time and obviously financially, like we have uh, two right. full time media people at the shop, um, is uh, because of Gary Vee, Right? Gary V. puts out. Oh, I love him phenomenal content and it gets a little much at times right well you've got once you've gotten the point you've gotten the point you don't really need to listen to it anymore mm-hmm. but he was a, a huge influence on uh, on what I do all the time for that kind of stuff so yeah that's probably one of the top ones I would say
2: that's very yeah nice. that's got to be like everyone's top one right now like everyone who's like trying to like grow their business and just like grow as a person I feel like I love him I yep. love everything he has to say
1: he stands yeah, yeah. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> she's like you know yeah. it, influencers are a li- is a little weird for me because once you're kind of in the world of putting out content and 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 pursuing that's whatever caliber you're at with it you kind of start to realize i don't want to say smoke and mirrors but you start to realize a lot of the marketing behind it and 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 how much fluff there is behind it a lot. so so because of that i find myself not seeking Advice or, or or stuff like that through social media channels a whole lot. You know, I'll typically go elsewhere for that kind of stuff.
0: Well, you're an influencer too, David. I hope.
1: Yeah. You're not. We'll, we'll like, see. I don't you're, know. you're
0: there. Like you're there.
2: Dude. Like you're I'm influencing.
1: Senior.
0: You're yeah. influencing people <laughs> to train their dogs.
2: Yeah, crate train, create train their dogs. train their
0: dogs. <laughs>
1: that's it. That's what we want.
0: That's it. That's mm-hmm. that's That's the goal in life. Create, train your dog. I want to influence you to create, train your dog. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, David, for being on the show today. Sure. Yes, Um, thank you so much. I really hope people, like, have more questions about this because I feel like people just need to train their dogs. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just a myth. Like, they just want to be like, no, he's a small dog, so I don't really need to. To train him because he's easy to handle, and then he yep. just. Cooks. But then you
2: can't even like go out to their home because like it either smells really bad. There's like pee everywhere. There's poop everywhere. we like just the dog, like just like the dog
0: itself, like yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Do you think a lot of more people train their big dogs and their small dogs?
1: Yeah, yeah, because you can get away with more with a small dog, right? Mm-hmm. And and typically, once the small dog does wind up coming to training, the behavioral issues are far, far worse, right? To the point where if it were a big dog doing those same issues, it would be euthanized immediately, you know? Um, So, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely see that.
0: Okay, so quick question. I'm so sorry. We're supposed to end it. I have a very curious question about this. I don't know if you have heard about um, an influencer that euthanized her dog because... Yeah.
1: Uh, Who who was it? Do you know? I don't remember
0: her name. I remember one of my friends sent it to me because she was like, Martin, what do you? What's your opinion about this? I, I remember,
1: like, I remember hearing something about it, and it was somebody I feel like I know of, or something.
0: Um, let me. What did they do?
1: I don't. I don't know all the details.
0: So the story behind it was. Oh my god, I can't find her. I remember I looked her up on YouTube. I don't know. It was some girl. She's like private on Instagram now, right? Yeah. So she. Had a dog. Um, this dog was, oh my god, I completely forgot the breed. The dog was that dog from from Toy Story, the one that Sid had. Yep. The one I don't remember what I don't remember what the the Bull Terrier, right? Bull Terrier? I think that's uh a
1: dog. yeah, yeah, bull terrier. Yeah, it's uh uh Nikki Felipe.
0: Yes, 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 Nikki something.
1: <laughs> It's a YouTuber. What is her YouTube yeah,
0: channel? So she she has like a family YouTube channel. That was her that's thing. That's
1: it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. She had like a family YouTube channel, right? Sure. So um what happened with this girl was that she had a bull terrier and his name was Bowser. Bowser or something. Mm-hmm. Bowser, I think. So um this dog apparently had before shown certain types of aggression not necessarily ever biting a person but just you know the crazy like barking growling that people couldn't go into their house because the dog would like go crazy and like all these different types of things right yep. so that also whenever they would move him to like a new place like they would they would get a new apartment or something like that that the dog would like like you could sh- you could see like the anxiety in the dog were like like it was just a whole thing, right? So, whatever happened and whatever, why, you know, the spotlight was on her was because she euthanized this dog because this dog ended up biting her kid. Like, apparently the dog was eating, and the kid goes up to the dog and I think like grabs his head or tries to pull on his ear or something like that. And this kid, yep. I think he's a pretty young kid. I think he's like three or something like that. He was a pretty young kid. And the dog snapped bit his face apparently didn't really leave a mark like it was like a super like i think he had like one stitch or something like that and Mm -hmm. um now that he doesn't have a mark or anything like that but they ended up euthanizing the dog the Mm -hmm. reason or the big reason why people are really really criticizing her it's because she had a goodbye photo shoot with the dog before Mm -hmm. they euthanized the dog and in this photo shoot the dog was like sitting down and she had like her kid and they were like next to the dog and they were like smiling and then like the like she was kissing the dog and then like yeah. it, it it was kind of weird, man. Like it was it was yeah.
1: I uh, so I don't, the, know. I don't know here's here's the thing, right? So so as far as the photo shoot is concerned, yeah, I could say that's tacky, right? Or whatever <laughs> you want to call it, right? Yeah. It's it's not in good, it's not really in good taste, and I'm sure she wasn't doing it in any sort of obviously malicious intent or anything, but it, it's probably not, it's not a good look, especially if you're in a position of influence. I yes. feel like it, it looks yeah, even, even worse. And- you know, listen, if she would have done that photo shoot and never posted about it and just wanted those pictures to keep for whatever reason, whatever, right, I, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I think that's, that's a little tacky, right? As far as the conversation though about like behavioral euthanasia, right? Um, you know, we could look at any of these situations and these are tough conversations I have with clients, right? we could look at any situation of aggression because that's the the number one reason for it, obviously. And we could say, you know, this was the owner's fault here. This was due to lack of training here. This was due to bad management here, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And we could work through those things. And sure, I'm sure a lot of these dogs could successfully live out the rest of their lives and have those issues managed and have it not be a big deal. Right. Uh, I think the problem comes into, um, what you're looking to get out of a dog right and sometimes and i don't fault people for this there are there are things that you didn't necessarily sign up for right this family did not sign up for a dog they have to manage heavily around their kids or else their kid is going to get bit right uh and unfortunately when you're dealing with biting dogs and i don't know the severity of the situation in this and everything without meeting the dog but unfortunately, when you're dealing with dogs that are biting people, in my opinion, rehoming that dog is a liability as well, because you're essentially saying, I'm going to toss this responsibility of making sure this dog doesn't bite somebody on somebody else, right? Uh, And I think that that's a little, um, a little unethical as well. So it's, it's tough, right? And I think I think some people get a little too hard on that kind of stuff on the owner, right, and fault them too heavily for it. Where, listen, there's people out there that are lazy, and 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 it's really not that bad. And it's just like they did some stupid shit, right? Uh, where where I would disagree with them when they when they go to do that kind of stuff. But I I do think a good majority of people, it's just it's just not what it's, it's not what they signed up for. Right? Yeah, but and, a and people- I no, oh, I was just gonna say I I just personally cannot fault them for that, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What a lot of people were arguing was that um one, of course, the, f- the fucking photo shoot with the dog yeah. before like it was killed, True. um, which I I also agree, like why? Like, if you're yeah. so afraid of your dog biting your kid, why are you taking a picture with your dog right next to your kid? And the kid's face was like right next to the yeah. dog's That's face. And-, and he was like yeah. or- like he's a really big dog. I mean, he was a bull terrier. he's a very yeah. big, you know, muscular with a big face and a big mouth type of dog right and the kid was just like ah, like you know touching him again like after he had been bit and whatever and then what other people were arguing was why do you leave your kid unattended when your dog is eating right like that was like a big thing which i completely understand my boyfriend he <laughs> hasn't right like he's he's yeah months old my dogs even though my dogs are like super social and they really do not care about the kid being here like they have no type of like Mm -hmm. interest whatsoever like they don't even go to like smell him i never leave my dogs with the kid like unattended sure and this is as someone that you know doesn't really have kids i really don't have kids i don't know what it's like to live in a household with tons of dogs and tons of kids all the time right yeah So I, but I do know that kids don't understand to that point where they don't know when to touch and when not to touch a dog and Mm -hmm. sometimes the dog is going to be stressed. Right. Uh But then again, whenever, like you said, you have a biting dog, a dog that will most likely bite someone again. I kind of want to understand, but then also they did say that they had had this dog for 10 years. Like they, Uh they got this dog whenever he was like, four weeks old or six weeks, weeks old or something like that. Yeah, And a lot of people were arguing with them. Like, why don't you rehome them? Like I would have wanted that dog. Like I could have taken care yeah, of him. But, blah, blah.
1: Yeah. This is, this is a bunch of idiots online that yeah. just want to like come up with a, a reason to be mad about something. Listen, here's the thing. You have to be honest with yourself about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure this was the owner's fault. Right, I'm sure the dog probably would have been fine and never bit anybody else again if they just said, "Hey, we need to keep a better eye on the dog. We need to keep them out of these types of situations." But if they're being honest with themselves and saying, "I'm not going to do that," right? Mm-hmm. I know long term I'm going to slip somewhere, and it's yeah, not going to happen. Do you know what I mean? I can't do it. What What do you What else are you gonna, What are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, it's it's a tough and it's a tough conversation. You know. But I just, I, 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 I really try my hardest to not fault anybody over stuff like that. Like, I get it, you know? And in the end of the day, the one thing I always say is people come first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's and something that a lot of people don't
0: understand.
1: Yeah. You know, th- in the end of the day, as much as we love them and care about them, and they become such important parts of our lives, they're still just dogs, right?
0: Yeah. They're animals. And, they're still unpredictable in a way. Like, yes. no matter how trained your dog is, there's still gonna be, you know, certain times where you you wouldn't believe that you wouldn't yeah. believe, that. and just to, just to finish off, um, there was this other girl that came up, you know, about it, you know, talking about it, and she's very big in like the dog rescuing community, you know, mm-hmm. they're like all these dogs have Instagrams and stuff, <laughs> like me, but um, she had two dogs which she had rescued, both of them. One of them was Angel, and the other one was. I don't remember the other dog's name. The point is that they were both bullies, right? Like they were some type of mix of pit bull and bullies and stuff. And they, she had the original one, you know, Angel for like a crazy amount of years. And then she just had adopted the other dog and they had been together for like over a year. And the story that she tells is that one day she came back home and the other dog had killed Angel. Like, 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 they she's like, they had never fought before, they had never even like growled at each other. She had tons of pictures of them like laying down together and like hugging each other and like cuddling together and like sleeping down together. Like, all of these that you say, like, they're best friends, like, they have no problem with each other. Uh And this other dog killed the other dog. Like, she says that she came home. And it was like a bloodbath. Like it was blood everywhere. The other dog was like dead. Like it wasn't like it didn't even have a heartbeat. Like no way of saving it anymore. And that's so scary. She recognized the dog, like the dog that killed her other dog. Uh And she says that she got a lot of hate for it, that they was like, Like, why? Like, like, you should have rehomed it. I mean, you know, you know, the basic stuff. And what she explains is that she would have never been able to live with herself, knowing that even if she rehomed the dog, Uh that this dog would be able to do that to someone else's dog or to someone Mm -hmm. else's kid or to someone else as a person. Like,
1: yeah.
0: and she's like, I know I made the correct decision of even though I loved this dog, like -hmm. like a crazy amount of love. Like she, she was like, I loved him. Like, I loved him so much. I knew that whatever triggered him to do whatever he did was going to happen again, and I was not going to live with that.
1: Or even if it wasn't, even if it didn't ever happen again, let's say, right? You know that that dog is capable of that, Mm -hmm. right? Which is which is the thing, and and you know it's it's interesting. I had a a girl that used to work for me three years ago, four years ago, that when she was a child, um, that had happened with their family dogs. Actually, like they came home and dog was dead you know yeah. and, and it's extremely scary to think about and that goes back to our crating conversation
0: yeah right? yeah sure. mm-hmm. I, that be I, don't, I, don't,
1: I don't need to worry about what my dogs are doing when i'm not home right yeah um and then too you just you, people need to be honest about what dogs are capable of mm-hmm. right period right whether it's aggression issues towards dogs with people whatever it may be uh and there are some dogs out there that are uh very, very challenging dogs, right and there are some dogs mm-hmm. out there that have some very, very serious issues uh, and you know the further we get down this societal rabbit hole of um, dogs just being extensions of our children, right the the further we get away from understanding that, and the more likely we are to put people and dogs in positions where things like that are going to happen, right? Yep. And and that's kind of what we're trying to preach and what I'm trying to preach with my clients and through the podcast and all this kind of stuff is people starting to understand that stuff a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah, dogs are dogs, they're still animals. They Still need the guidance. You need to speak for your dog, and you know mm-hmm. not th- not put them in uncomfortable positions where they can get to that point that yeah. some, well, another dog is constantly pushing them or constantly like biting on their legs and stuff like that. That some people take like, oh, he's just playing, like, oh, it's fine. Like, no, like correct it or take your dog out of there. Like, there's no necessity yeah. to go to dog parks. There's no necessity to like, you know, put your dog in an uncomfortable position and we're gonna go ahead and, and leave it there because we did go a little bit over time but there was something that needed to be discussed yeah that no, was a good
1: um, good end conversation
0: yeah so again thank you so much david for being on the show today you are welcome again whenever you want to be welcome again you know whenever we're like millions of followers <laughs> I, guess, I, guess. <laughs> I guess but yeah.
1: Um, yeah, no, this is great i appreciate it
0: <laughs> thank you for everyone that was listening make sure to send in your questions make sure to follow at david the dog trainer and i think it's at miracle canine
1: miracle canine training the training. letter k and the number nine.
0: Oh yeah k and then <laughs> the yeah. number nine yes. um you guys enjoy the rest of your day enjoy the rest of your week uh remember that at the end of the day that's just, just my, my opinion. opinion. <laughs> and uh, um, go ahead and follow us on our social media, guys Instagram, Facebook. It's at TJMO Podcast. This is Marlene, one of your co hosts.
2: And Tracy, your Thank other co host. You, your, your other half. <laughs> your Thank other you. half. Thank you so it's much for Delayed right now. now.